0: Energy 360 by Intercom. I am Michael. Excited to be bringing this interview between Bernadette Johnson, the vice president of strategy analytics for Enverness, who's formerly drilling info and Aaron Vannaford, president of Intercom and Stu Turley to the director and publisher of oil and gas 360. But before that interview dies in, I just want to take a moment to talk about the 360 digital closing Bell podcast, the best way to consume the market news every single day. We drop long form podcasts Monday and Friday. First one will be, is on iTunes and Spotify. As we speak, we have an episode coming this far and we also release the digital Ticker that's on the closing bell email which you can sign up for at www.oilandgas360.com. I highly recommend you doing. It. It's the best way to get your most important news every single day. Please sign up www.oilandgas360. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Stu.
1: has got 1,700 employees. You've got uh, about 6,000 clients in 50 different countries. And yesterday I saw a press release that we put up on our uh, newsfeed at oilandgas360.com and very, very good information in this. And so, uh, Bernadette, we'd love to hear uh, what Inverness is doing for your employees. This is a pretty critical time to social distance and those kind of things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we've, we shut down the offices. I think the good thing about uh, us is we're a tech company. We're a software as a service company. We're the largest one in energy. And what that means is that we are very equipped to work from home. So all of our people all around the world are working from home for at least the next two weeks. We'll probably extend that. Um, so what that means for us is my day to day now is a lot of conference calls, both internally and with clients. Uh, we are supporting our clients who are now working from home as well, and it's it's really with the exception of me and a couple others, there's no one at our offices, and we're all remote.
1: Oh man, and Aaron, you've seen about the same thing in Denver as well, haven't with
0: Intercom? Yeah, no, that's right. We're we're certainly not as global as in various but we're we're working from home and it is a it it's something that we're having a lot of conference calls with uh and and being able to have opportunities like this to to uh, do interviews and so i think there's there's a lot of a lot of things for us to learn uh in in this transition as well um it's crazy with me being in dallas and and everything else so this
1: is pretty darn cool um well, uh, what is Inverus doing? Uh, they just send everybody home? Because you have a team, a, a large team that works with you, Bernadette. What's going on with your team?
2: Sure. So I have a team of about 45 that works uh, directly with me. And so everyone is still working. I think it's, it's interesting. We've had a lot of conversations around uh, we thought we might have more free time, and it's been the opposite. I think working from home without a start and stop, we're actually working more and a lot of what my team focuses on is macro is the market is what happens next and so we are very busy right now talking to clients i'm doing interviews and really putting out research what are we seeing in the market when do we think prices might might turn what are we seeing with unemployment numbers what does that mean for macroeconomics for for the world but also energy and oil prices so we we've been working kind of around the clock the team fully engaged uh, all of our databases, all of our infrastructure is cloud-hosted all around the world, and so everything really kind of proceeded without a hiccup. Everyone's just now in a different location. Uh,
1: that's really cool. Um, so, what uh, I, in Inveris, uh because you are the largest data uh, information for this uh, marketplace? Uh, what kind of things have you been able to talk to your clients about? What what add uh, advantages is in Inverness helping with your clients during this time?
2: Sure. So we have the macro team, and I think our clients span the whole energy industry. So everybody from the very small mom and pop mineral shops, all the way up to very large super majors or utilities or government agencies, and everyone in between. So for a large part of our client base, certainly lower prices is a struggle, and it's, it's hard to figure out what you do next. But for another group of our client base, it's actually good news, right? The end users of these products and seeing these prices come down, they're making different types of decisions and figuring out how to source commodities over the long term. So the specific, a lot of the questions we're answering are specific to the user, right? So OFS is wondering, where will rigs come down? How quickly will that happen? Uh, what are the operators? What is the counterparty risk that they should be aware of now? What happens with redetermination? Which operators are better positioned, who has a lot of debt rolling over? But those mm-hmm. same types of questions are certainly coming from OFS. They're coming from financial services. They're coming from midstream, who have EMPs as counterparties. Also coming from EMPs who are wondering, might this be a good time if you have cash and you were looking for transactions before? Now it's an even better time to get out in the market. So it's it's those types of questions. It's more broad. When will the price recover? We're hearing rumors about unemployment numbers. What would that mean for energy consumption in the U.S. and abroad? What does this mean for natural gas prices relative to crude? Uh, do we have enough gas or will we have enough gas for power burn this summer? What will power burn look like? All of these types of questions are things that we're answering pretty
0: much on the daily at this point. So I I'd, I'd be hesitant not to to jump in there and, and get a couple of these answers for our folks as we as we go through here. You know, as you talk about, you know, this is unprecedented times. Uh certainly we we see a a price war that's going on with uh, OPEC and Saudi Arabia and Russia and and uh you know, what role do you see us as the United States potentially jumping in and and playing in that? Is this a lower for longer type of scenario? How committed is this price war?
2: Yeah, and that's that's probably the question of the day. Is it going to be, and even economically, because energy is tied so directly to economics and a potential recession, is this going to be V-shaped? Is it going to be U-shaped or even L-shaped? And what does that look like? I think we're getting more information every day. Uh, What we know about the U.S. and what we've seen is that U.S. production is incredibly responsive to changes in prices, which is what should happen. If the price comes down, you should see supply pullback. That's exactly why prices come down. And US operators running 820 rigs a couple weeks ago, now we're below the 800 mark, we're seeing rigs come off very quickly. Producers are responding, they're pulling back CapEx, even operators that are relatively strong in terms of their financial position. So what does that mean? It means the US is really the marginal supplier of natural gas, of crude and also natural gas liquids. So as the economy comes back, as movement resumes, as energy demand resumes, rigs will come back. Now when that happens remains to be seen and how much pain there is for U.S. operators in the meantime, um, that's a question. And a lot of this has to do with how long does this last? We're seeing record numbers of unemployment applications filed. We're gonna see in mm-hmm. next week's count, next Thursday, we're gonna get a number as of today. and. By and large, the market's expecting a number of the millions, which we've never seen before, right? That's 10 times the record levels that we've seen. Like, that's that's dramatic. And so those are the types of things that we're wrestling with. Um, but, yeah, the mar- the U.S. is a marginal supplier. We're seeing supply pullback just like it should. We're seeing fewer cargoes of LNG, of crude, all of that happening uh, specifically out of the U.S.
1: You know, Aaron, as, as- uh we've had several, a lot of companies restructuring their um, – uh, earnings and saying they're forward-looking statements, uh, that fits right into
0: what Bernadette said. No, that's right. We've seen a lot of capital capital budgets being uh, revised, revised downward. We've seen a number of clients even move to a, a zero-rig type of program or or mm-hmm. a program that satisfies their, their hedge book. Um, but one of the things that, that I'd be interested from your perspective, Bernadette, as you as you sit on a lot of this data and have a good understanding, we're going to be able to actually see what these natural declines look like uh, potentially instead of it all being hypothetical. Um, how, how quickly does is shale going to roll over? And that's been one of those those topics of of questions for a long time now.
2: Sure. So we've been running a lot of scenarios around that specifically. And so what we can see is Uh, Different decline rates. So we're fitting a curve to every producing well in the country and and Canada. So of the 1.2 million wells that are producing today in the U.S. and Canada, they each have their own curve. They're at a different point in their life cycle. Some are declining very quickly if they just came on. Some are legacy wells that have been producing for decades that are are declining at a very slow rate. When we look at the U.S., the natural decline rate is about 36%. So that's fitting that curve to every well and looking at the 12-month rollover. So by 12 months from now, if, that all, if all drilling stopped today or all completion of wells and turn-in lines stopped today, in 12 months, you would have a drop in U.S. production of about 36%. You go basin by basin, and it varies. And certainly the unconventionals have a higher, uh, a higher natural decline rate because they are newer wells with steeper declines, if that makes sense. So the Permian, something like 43%. And it does vary Gas versus crude. Those percentages I just mentioned are on the on the crude side. The natural gas ones are a little bit lower. And so what you see is in the major shales, major unconventional plays, 40% plus natural decline 12 months from now if that were to happen. So then the question is when does it happen? What we're what we're seeing is that we are still running 790 rigs, 780 rigs. Right. So those rigs are still in play. They're starting to roll off, but there's a normal inventory of three to six months worth of drilling, because once you drill a well, the rig moves off site, you come back and you complete it, you clean up, you you do flow back, you tie back into infrastructure. It can normally take three to six months to get a well online from when a well is spud. So what does that mean? It means we've got thousands of wells that are sitting in inventory that we're going to start coming on over the next few months. We're going to see some of those still happen. So we don't think that you really start to see US production turn especially on the crude side, until probably closer to June. So June, July, we should start to see it come off pretty quickly. If we, based on the guidance numbers that we've seen pull back already, plus some additional cuts, if we see some pretty steep declines start as soon as June, what we're modeling today is you could easily lose a million barrels of crude between June and the end of the year, based on what producers have already announced and planned.
0: That's pretty incredible. As you you think about... So that's, that's certainly the supply side and, and what U.S. can do. You mentioned some of the, the broader economic uh, side that certainly affects the demand side. What are some of the key drivers that you guys and your team is looking at to evaluate what is the effect of this virus and, and certainly U.S. globally? And then, you know, what what is it that is going to be the longer term? So just maybe highlighting some of those key Uh, Drivers that you
2: you think about? Sure. So, demand is definitely the trickier piece. And it's interesting because we've seen force majeures for some LNG cargoes going to Asia. We've seen some of that, right? We're seeing a slowdown in those cargoes. We're seeing and we're hearing that if prices drop below 20, which on the crude side, which might need to happen, because today we're 3 million barrels a day long and it's getting worse. the longer, the more people you have quarantined, the more people you have staying home, that demand number gets worse. Some of the big numbers that I've heard that we generally agree with is you could lose 10% of global demand for a period of time with all these, all these, um, all this movement stop that we're seeing. So, so that's a big number, 10 million barrels on top of the 3 million barrels that were already long. Now you're long 13 million barrels. And so that cannot persist for very long because there simply isn't anywhere to put it. So then, then it comes back to what is that demand really look like? Where are we seeing it come off? We're certainly seeing it come off in airline traffic, and that's a direct, we can see that day-to-day flights getting canceled. You can also see traffic patterns. There's data sets that give you traffic patterns all over the world. We're starting to see Chinese traffic patterns actually pick back up as they start releasing some folks from, from mandatory quarantines. But what you're not seeing, you're seeing it start to pick up in other places like the US, right? The announcement from California non-essential travel needs to stop, people need to be staying home. So it's Asia, it's coming back a little bit. Other places like Italy, the US and the West, it's its really starting to pick up. Some of the other interesting data points I think that we're seeing are on the power side. Power is interesting just because you have actuals, pretty much in real time. You can see what power burn is doing. And that's an area where we actually haven't seen a huge drop in demand. A lot of these office buildings are still being powered. I'm in my office, you're in your office. People are at home, but that dual demand you get from people being at home and also being at work, it hasn't really stopped. So we are seeing some level of demand destruction on the power side, but it's nothing, it's not 50%, it's nowhere near that. And we can see that pretty much in real time. So we're we're tracking all of these things and you're getting interesting data points. Some are more timely than others, but generally I would say demand is coming off. Could it be off 10% worldwide at a peak level? I think that's, that's reasonable and we should expect that to happen. Don't think that happens very long. That's the type of event or that, that chain of events on top of the t- price war that purses, pushes crude prices below $20 a barrel. You get below $20 a barrel, WTI or even Brent, and then you start to see shut-ins. A lot of Russian crude is sold on the spot market. That will not happen if there's no buyer to take it, and so that crude would have to be shut-in. Canadian oil sands. We're starting to see some of that shut in really by choice because of how low these prices have come. So that's the level where you start to have to have prices to push out if it was 10 to 13 million barrels. We do think though that that's relatively short term. And so demand data points all over the place. Certainly we're seeing less demand. Certain sectors, it's not nearly as much destruction as you might expect. And then there are some bright spots where we're seeing seeing Chinese demand start to come back.
0: So when you think about prices, and and you just to circle back to, you know, is this a V-shaped, U-shaped, L-shaped curve, if we see prices go uh, really low, is that a better case or indicator for a V-shaped recovery because it's going to spur things, or is that still too early to tell?
2: It it should be. It is a little too early to tell, but it should be. I think the... What we're seeing is the sooner that would happen, the sooner you got under 20, even closer to 10, the sooner that this would resolve itself, right? You'd see those four shut-ins, you'd see the market have to rebalance itself quickly because the world just simply wouldn't have space to put 10 to 13 million barrels a day of extra crude. Um, On on the virus side, on the demand side, it's very similar. The quicker we start to see these restrictions and say people stay home with very few exceptions, then it's much easier for you to actually stop the virus movement and for you to start to see a return to normal daily life. So it it sounds, it sounds harsh, but the sooner that we have those strict controls in place, the sooner you would have that recovery or that V shape. Now some of the unknowns are around some of those unemployment numbers. We're looking at that. And if we get a number in the millions next week, the the next question is how long-term is it? If it's the restaurant workers, if it's the Uber drivers, if it's the airline folks right those are, that's it's it's horrible for those folks but it's relatively elastic and as soon as there's freedom of movement those restaurants are still there right they can order food they can start producing again very quickly if it's other types of sectors that really start being impacted then you have this longer longer wider and bigger employment destruction and that's a very bit, very bad thing for global macroeconomics. And that's the type of thing that persists for a long time. So those are the things that we're looking at and trying to figure out how much of those numbers are elastic, how much are not elastic, how much can return very quickly. If we start to see this hit tech and other sectors, then it's a much bigger problem. And then you could even get into this L shape. Because energy demand, it's fundamentally about macroeconomics and how healthy the economy is. And if we do more longer term or permanent harm to the economy, then it's it's a whole different recovery pattern.
0: I could, I could talk to you all day about, about this stuff. It sounds like you guys have a really good handle on it. I really appreciate your viewpoints. Um, and, and it seems to be changing hourly. So uh, hope you get to stay in your office and tell us a little bit more.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it is changing hourly. I mean, even yesterday, the, the rebound and some of the crude price around uh, certainly the stimulus package that's, that's, on, it appears like it's on its way to be approved. Uh, rumors in the market that, that Trump and the the administration might be intervening in the Russian-Saudi Arabia price war and trying to influence those behaviors. That also helps support prices. Um, We're also getting almost hourly announcements from operators about activity that's coming down. We're getting a ton of questions around which operators might be exposed to bankruptcy, which ones are well protected. And that is, to your point, it's changing hourly at this point.
1: Wow, uh, Bernadette and uh, Aaron, this is just a fantastic uh, conversation. And Bernadette, um, I really want to have you back because your um, information is just phenomenal regarding this uh, situation we have right here. So, and your time is very, very valuable. Um, today uh, was phenomenal uh thank you very much for your time and aaron thank you for your time as well um folks this was bernadette johnson with inverus aaron vandefort president of intercom and i'm Stu turley with uh, oil and gas 360. if you're not signed up for our uh oil and gas 360 email thank you